Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text takes us to Luke chapter 6. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence? which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? 
for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." This is the word of the Lord. We start our text with the Sabbath day, that the disciples essentially are accused of working on the Sabbath. The Pharisees had all sorts of laws about what what constituted work on the Sabbath and what didn't, so this did not meet with their expectation of God's law. So, Jesus responds to their accusation. And he takes them to the account of 1 Samuel chapter 21, to the time where David is on the run. He's fleeing from King Saul, who's seeking to kill him. And David meets the priest at Nob, or Nob. And the priest there offers him the bread from the table of the presence. That was a special bread that was set apart for the priests of God to eat. And it was holy and was not to be consumed by anyone else. And yet Jesus here points out that the priest took that bread and gave it to a man who was in need. In the same way, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Yes, God has commanded the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a good thing. It is good to give rest to the people of God. But Jesus can take the command and he can use it as he sees necessary to help people because he's God. And so he's going to help his disciples. He's going to help 
in the next section, a man with a withered hand, because that's the the Sabbath conversation continuing. As we see in verse 6, he goes into a synagogue. There's a man man there whose right hand was withered. This is still historically a time where left-handedness was very rare. So most likely this was a right-handed man, and his right hand then withered from some accident or such. Perhaps he was born that way, but nonetheless, it's a handicap for him. And the scribes and the Pharisees are using this as a trap. We're not told here that they brought the man, but they're certainly looking to trap Jesus so that they can have a reason to accuse him, as verse 7 says. It would be unlawful to heal on the Sabbath because it would constitute work. But Jesus does not fear them. In fact, he does this intentionally right in front of them. He asks them the question, is it lawful to heal? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? or to do harm, to save life or destroy it. No answer is recorded here for us. Instead, only that Jesus then acted. He did good. He healed on the Sabbath. And the healing was just a word, right? Stretch out your hand and it was healed. The Pharisees and the scribes were upset, filled with fury, and seeking to get rid of Jesus. Jesus then goes on the mountain to pray, And he, at this point, will take this great crowd of followers and he will isolate 12 of them, removing them from the rest to be a special group, to be his apostles. You know the names. Peter, his name means rock. His name was Simon. Jesus gives him the name rock later on. Andrew his brother, and you have James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew, Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel, you have Matthew, Levi, you have Thomas, you have James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who's called the Zealot, so a Zealot is somebody who is zealous, um, extremely passionate for whatever it is that they have to be passionate for. Um, That could have been used to describe the other Simon, (laughs) to be honest, but it's used of this Simon instead. Judas, the son of James, who's also known in the Gospels as Thaddeus, and then Judas Iscariot, the traitor. So Jesus then, after that, is teaching again. He's healing again, and we've seen him do this again and again already just in the short time we've been in Luke's Gospel together. He's casting out demons as well. What we have for the rest of our chapter together today is... Like the shortened version of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 7, um, it starts with the Beatitudes, it'll cover some of the same topics here. But notice this is a shorter list of Beatitudes. Matthew's list goes from verses 3 of chapter 5 up to verse 12, whereas Jesus gives us four Beatitudes and then four woes to match with that. They're parallel to each other here. So you can look at them together, and you should. So here are the Beatitudes that he speaks, and you can see he lifts up his eyes on his disciples and says. So this is very intentionally spoken to his followers. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. This immediately invites the disciples to stop seeing things the way the world sees things. Poverty in the world is not considered a blessing. Even today, we still don't look at it as a blessing, although perhaps we should. Jesus is turning it over. If you're poor, 
And again, he's speaking to his disciples. You get the kingdom of God. Poverty now is not a thing of concern. Yours is the kingdom. You have everything. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Weep now, you shall laugh. This is the picture of paradise. So you are, again, poor, you're hungry, you weep, so you're hurting, you're grieving in this broken world. These things will be overturned. Your poverty will become wealth as you share in the wealth of God's kingdom. Your hunger will turn into satisfaction, contentment, as your belly will be full <laughs> with the, the new heavenly banquet. And those who weep, well, we know that there will be no more tears, that God will have wiped away every tear. There will be no more suffering, no more death in this paradise. Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, revile you, spurn you, on account of the Son of Man. So not blessed whenever people do this to you, but blessed are you when people do this to you because of Jesus. So if people hate you because you're a jerk, it doesn't count. But if people hate you because you believe in Jesus, that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he's blessing here. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. This is true. right? You can look at the Old Testament. You can see how the prophets of God, well, how they were heard and how they were responded to by the people who should have been followers of God but weren't. Jeremiah, for instance, is you know, he's thrown in the stocks. He's beaten. He's he Instead of going into exile, he's able to escape and go with some of the Jews down to Egypt where they, uh, tradition holds they killed him because they didn't want to hear any more of God's word. That's just one example. If they persecute you, Know that you're on the same path as the prophets were. And where are the prophets now? Well, they're in paradise. So, yeah, that's a good place to be. It's a good road to walk. The contrast is going to get four matching woes. If you're rich, you've already received your consolation. If you're full, you will be hungry. If you laugh now, you will mourn later. If people speak well of you, this is not good because they spoke well of the false prophets. Woe is a word of condemnation and death. This is a point where we want to have a conversation as a family. Which of these lists should we want for our family? Do we want the blessings or do we want the woes? Do we want to be poor and hungry and weep? Be hated and excluded? Or do we want to be rich and full and laugh and have people speak well of us? Honestly, this might well be the biggest trouble that the church in the United States faces today. We want the blessings of the Beatitudes while having the things that Jesus rejects and condemns in the woes. We want the kingdom. We want to be satisfied. We want to laugh, but we want to have that wealth and that fullness and that laughing now. We want people to speak well of us, and this is why the church in our culture is, I don't want to say dying, because it is the church, it is the bride of Christ, and it cannot die. But it's why it's so greatly grieving, and it's why we are losing so many 
because we want the world. And there's a stark warning against this from the brother of Jesus, James, in James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is a primary focal point of the text, without a doubt, for the church today, for our families today. Aim for the Beatitudes. Don't aim for the woes. That's a hard word. Better to be poor now and blessed by Christ than to be wealthy now and condemned by Christ. The next section, love your enemies, judging others, very much so fitting together. We'll cover them here briefly. Um, Jesus teaches, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you, offer the other cheek. To the one who takes your cloak, give him your tunic. Give to the beggar. If somebody takes your goods, don't demand them back. It's another challenging list. How good are we at these things? And we're not. We want vengeance. We want our stuff back. We want revenge. We want justice. All those things, none of that fits here. Somehow verse 31 is the thing we remember. We call it the golden rule. And as you wish others to do to you, do so to them. That's nothing wrong with that one, but there's a lot more to this list. Jesus goes on to say, I mean, if, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to even sinners do that? And the whole paragraph follows that pattern. So instead, again, Jesus focusing on loving those who don't love you, aiding those who can't give you anything in return. This is what the Father does. And he does it to the ungrateful, he does it to the evil, he does it even to us. So we are to be merciful as our Father is merciful. If you want to be his son, then do what he does. Judge not, you will not be judged. Good reference here among men. I mean, we're going to be told to judge down in the next paragraph. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. So these things are not ours to do. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. This is following up perhaps on verse 31, that golden rule that you should treat others well. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So don't skimp out on people. Don't cheat them of stuff. Um, but instead, it's like you know brown sugar. You can really pack that down into a cup and fit more in it. When you're trading in the marketplace, do that. Be generous. People will see your generosity, and there will be people who are generous in response. Parable. Um, here then the blind who leads the blind, they both fall into a pit. That's a quick little parable, right? Um, but the unbeliever who leads the unbeliever is not going to lead him to God. The disciples have been called to be fishers of men. The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. This one's kind of left hanging here, but know what happens to Jesus. And therefore consider that of yourself. 
How did the world treat Jesus? They hated him, they despised him, they beat him, and they killed him. Don't think of yourself as being above these things. Expect them if you're serving Jesus. Verses 41 and 42 are going to be the ones that follow up on the judge not thing. We hear the judge not lest you be judged kind of comment from our society around us all the time. But look at the what he says next. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but not notice the log that is in your own eye? So, yes, your neighbor is a sinner, but so are you. In fact, you're a worse sinner than they are. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You don't leave the speck in your brother's eye. See that? But live a life of repentance. First focus on repenting. Confess your sins to the Lord. Trust in his forgiveness. And then, then you will be able to help your neighbor. The blind man cannot lead the blind. Right? If you do not have forgiveness, you cannot hope to bring forgiveness into the life of your neighbor. Receive the forgiveness that the Lord gives. And then share it with those around you. So this is actually uh, the, the purpose of life, according to Jesus later on in Luke's gospel, that we would love God and love our neighbor. So love God by repenting of our sins, trusting in him above all things, and then love your neighbor by forgiving them, helping to take the speck out of their eyes so that they too may see clearly the love of Christ. The trees are mentioned in the next paragraph. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. They can't do the opposite. Figs don't grow on thorn bushes. Good people produce good from their heart. Evil people produce evil from their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is filling you is what comes out, right? Because it's going to overflow. And this then becomes a good family conversation. What should we fill ourselves with? If you fill yourself with the word of God, it's the word of God that will flow out of you when you interact with your neighbors. If you fill yourself with movies it's going to be movie quotes that flow out of you when you interact with your neighbors. If you fill yourself with whatever, that's what will flow out of you. So, O Christian, O fisher of men, what ought we fill ourselves with? Prayer, reading his word, receiving his gifts. Then lastly, we hear about the house built on the rock. Jesus is the foundation. Build your house on him. Build your life on him. He has called you. He has given you these things to do. Dig deep. Study. Learn the word. Become like your teacher. And the house will stand. If you don't, the house will be shaken. Great will be the fall. It's a reference to judgment and to hell. And again, it goes back to that list. Do we want the Beatitudes or do we want the woes? Hear the word of Christ. We are called to live it. And where we fail, we repent. And we thank the Lord for his forgiveness. 
Christ who saw